Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I think we landed on, we're still going to do it, right? Oh, the podcast? Yeah, there were at least 10. No, least no, 10 no, no. People. Yeah, guys, so we're here again this week, which means you have come out in the tens to tell us to stay and at still do the, the show. Ten. They came out in, in the, the 10. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I had it. No, because we needed at least 10. So if you're up into the second 10, you're in the 10s. All right, fair enough. Uh, but no, I meant the intro. I meant going back to the original thing that started this debate about whether or not we do the show in general. <laughs> yeah, yes. you asked about a specific segment, and then the other two of us were like, <laughs> yeah, you're right, we could just stop doing the whole thing. So hello and welcome <laughs> to another Outtrack with Hinch and Rossi by popular demand. Again, the 10s I think, of people. I think, it was, I think it was like 11. I think, <laughs> you guys, I think you guys are lucky. You just snuck in there. Yep, that's that's are tens. We, I'm gonna take are we it. Calling that lucky. <laughs> lucky for those eleven people. Uh, we're back. We're back with a vengeance. No, we're not. We're back very calmly and and coolly. We're back um, with a huge desire to not want to be here right now. Why? What's wrong, Alex? How was your day? What's why you? Why? I mean, it's just a normal amount of not wanting to no, be here. I or? mean, my day was fine. My my day was fine. I'm a little tired from the weekend. Mostly my. Sunday night, but I'm just a little tired. <laughs> Why? What happened Sunday night, Alex? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Um, Does um, Iowa get after it? Is that what we learned? No. No, no he had a very night. mentally stressful flight home. Dodging weather. Actually, yeah. We should talk about that. We should talk about that. That was so. So James and I flew to Iowa. Iowa's a great race to personally fly to if you have that option, whether that's yourself or in a jet, because the airport is on the front straight. It's literally right behind the grandstands yeah um, it's like you can golf cart oh, you, to you the airport your plane? i did oh that's awesome this it was the first time i've flown to a race Tim. okay well i'm sorry it's not awesome then it sucks everybody does it and no i mean it's just thing, like, like oh wow it's like this is new news it's been <laughs> happening for a year and a half but yeah cool whatever yeah, i just won't get excited about things you've also like raced before and i still think that's cool but it's cool it's fine <laughs> i don't <laughs> especially after last weekend definitely not there yeah um so so james and i we flew there on thursday we had a very uneventful flight there thursday bit of headwind bit of headwind and we had the weekend and we flew home and there was um beautiful weather in in iowa and most of illinois but getting to indy there was a storm front that was moving through and kind of finishing up and so i knew that i could get to within kind of 30 to 50 miles of, of home. Um, 
before I probably would have to land and wait and wait for some weather to pass and, and to just get a general understanding of everything. Um, but as James and I were flying, we got very dialed into the, the onboard weather information that we had available to us, which is good. It's not perfect, but it's, it's good. And yeah, we were able to kind of duck and dodge and swoop through a dip couple and different, dive. dip and dive a couple little areas. And um, it ended up being a very straightforward flight home, but certainly did take a lot of mental capacity, especially yeah. after driving 300 laps. Well, I, we, I only drove 296 laps. Um, did you oh, I finished yeah, the race, yeah. but yeah. I was just that many laps down. Um, sidebar to that, did you know that going into this weekend, you had completed all but five of the laps that you had attempted at Iowa? I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, First no, like so here's the thing: like, we don't we don't crash at Iowa because we don't go very fast. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that in a sec. But yes, your the flight home was awesome. We changed our arrival airport like four times. We're like, okay, we got to land at Crawfordsville until the thing passes. Like, yeah, Crawfordsville is actually kind of sketchy. Let's go to, let's go to Frankfurt. And yeah. then it's like, so they're like, all right, so we switched to Frankfurt. Then we're heading towards Frankfurt. It's like, hmm, no, Crawfordsville is actually looking better now. Let's go back to Crawfordsville. And they're like, you know what? There's a gap in this storm. Why don't we just thread the needle and go straight to where we're trying to go and just skip all this stuff? And it's like, all right. So we just kept like getting onto air traffic control and being like, we're going to go here. Just kidding. We're going to go here. Fooled you. We're going here. Nah, nah, nah. We're just going to go here. Okay, bye. The best part, though, was, so this was funny. So we had, you know, a chat as we were flying about, like, general aviation accidents and, like, mm-hmm. what normally happens, right? And I feel like... Comforting, I feel like Comforting time to have that conversation. Well, I mean, you've got to have... you got to know what you're getting yourself into. I feel like knowledge is power. So it's fine to know this stuff. And Alex and his education as a pilot, like, watched every uh faa crash, crash video, video yeah. like yeah so you should learn everything about how things go wrong and then you know what maybe to expect or how to avoid things whatever whatever and the and the 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 grand like scheme of things i i call it titanic syndrome right and it's when it's just like a series of really small if isolated harmless decisions that compound a situation to the point of like a fatal failure. Right. Mm. And so this is what Alex was saying is most of the events that happen that go sideways. It's like, you make one small little decision. That's not a big deal on its own, but then it eliminates an option down the road, which maybe could have helped you, which forces you to make another decision, which puts you in an even worse spot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we had had this conversation, right? And then we're flying into this weather and we're like, let's land here. No, let's land here. No, let's land here. No, let's just go for it. And in my head, I was like, is this going to be one of those decisions that we're like, ah, damn it. We literally just had this conversation an hour and a half ago. And now here we are being like, ah, we're landed in a cornfield. God damn it. Why did we do this? Um. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's always... That's always the, the 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 thing that you're doing, right? Because there's never a guarantee of anything. So you're always it's just out, it's weighing the the pros and cons. I think the the big deciding factor for us was the alternate airport that we were landing at. The weather was getting worse and worse, and our primary airport was actually getting better to yeah. a certain extent. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't know what the the line is. And maybe I should spend some time thinking about. It. I don't know what the well, line no. is where you're like, you know what, screw it, we're turning around, and we're leaving. <laughs> That's probably when you can. 
when you well, can't at, see. At one point, we were like, do we just go to Chicago for the night? Or yeah. <laughs> we did have that conversation. Yeah. Um, no, the, the reason why I I was and am and will always be totally comfortable with you flying in those situations is because the amount of times that you were like, so we're like he's like showing me the iPad. It's got all the weather on it, right? And he's like, all right, so here's the green and here's the yellow and here's the red and whatever. And he's like, green is like, it, green's actually fine. And like yellow, it's bumpy, but it's okay. Red is like, yeah, probably not good at all. Purple, you're dead. And so the way he approached it was like, I don't even want to go that close to the green. Like, not worth it. So like every decision you made, you were basing it on like almost treating the green like it was red. Yeah, and so I felt sure. very comfortable with what was happening the whole time. And was that your first wet wet weather landing? No. Okay. You've done it before? So we're not allowed to find it special then, James. Well, it was special for me. It was my first landing in the front seat of a plane when it was raining. Um, so I didn't have I didn't have an adventure like that, but on my flight to Indianapolis, I had I was sat next to potentially the worst passenger I've ever been sat next to. Ryan Hunter Ray might argue that one. Yeah, no, Hunter Ray sent us a pic of you sitting yeah. next to him. <laughs> Wait, I didn't sit next to Ryan. Oh, I know. We'll come back to that. Uh, All right, okay. tell us your story. So I get on this plane. I'm sitting on the bulkhead for like I'm not in first class, but I'm the row right behind first Do you class. Like, are you a bulkhead guy? You a big uh, bulkhead guy? So it depends. Sometimes I feel like it. Sometimes I don't. I, I don't like that you don't get to have your backpack down there with you. But right. Sometimes I like the added leg room. For red eye, I'll take it because I'm not going to go through my backpack anyway. Okay. So I'm on the window seat in the bulkhead. This guy sits down right next to me and immediately goes, such bull****. I just missed the first class upgrade by one spot. Which I knew was a lie because I had just missed the first class upgrade by one spot. But I was like, I'm going to let the guy have the lie. It's whatever. That's a weird thing to brag about, but go for it. Does he just think that where you're sitting on the plane, like, because he was the first seat outside of first class, that's how that worked? So I go, I go, so what, uh, you know, before I'm going to fall asleep, I say, so what brings you to California? And he goes, I don't go to California. Now, mind you, we're in LAX. You're very much in California. <laughs> so I, I go to the guy, I go, well, I have some terrible news for you, <laughs> <laughs> which he did not find funny. So as soon as we get in the air, he takes off his like leather boots and just has his feet out, which is, Ooh. I think, like a punishable by death offense. It's a big no. And then I, I fall asleep. But then just to cap it all off, he's middle seat. As soon as we get to the gate, he gets up and climbs over the guy in the aisle seat to like be standing in the aisle for 15 minutes before they open the door. So it was just like he literally checked every box of the worst things you can do as a passenger on a plane. But like, did he? Was he relentless in his like talking to you? Did he annoy you? I think he may have been. I, I think he really wanted to talk politics with me when he was like, I don't go to California. And I was like, all right, I'm ending this conversation. Uh, but I was asleep. So I don't know. He may have been a talker as well, but I'm, I'm pretty good at phone. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like the worst passenger ever to be sat next to you. Like, I didn't sound like didn't. a do whiny we, little. Do we need to go over the story of the divorce that I watched shoes. happen? Okay. Look, that's actually bad for him. So yeah. when I started I mean, flying I, I a lot, had, I literally had someone that was like, like, kept touching, poking my leg. Like I had purpose. somebody that was reading like, me their me. journal of okay. having just right. proposed the worst, to their girlfriend, yeah, you're right, who you're was right. on the flight, and by the time we landed, they had split up. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But I mean, but the so I read a book when I started flying a lot. I bought I was this a, book. Sorry, I'm so I'm sorry, James. I'm sorry. I do want to hear this. 
Tim talked about the guy that was subtle flexing about how he was one away from being upgraded. And then first I subtle flex. I but, realized, but I did okay. it to counter him. Okay. All right. Go on, James. Big Delta I, Airlines gold guy. When I started flying a lot, I bought this book that was all about like airplanes and like airplane disasters and things like that and like how to get out of certain situations, whatever, whatever. And one of the golden rules on airplanes is don't take your shoes off because if you do go down and you make it, you're going to want shoes on to get out of a flaming glass and ripped metal shard wreckage and get to safety. So from that day forward, I stopped taking my shoes off on airplanes. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck in a diehard situation. No, exactly right. Bruce Willis has taught me nothing else. And to be clear, he has taught me plenty. It's <laughs> always wear shoes. And just so when, when we made the reference to Ryan Hunter Ray, this was the guy, this, that's Ryan Hunter Ray's arm. <laughs> and this is the guy that was sat next to. Okay. I feel like worse. you didn't have it that bad, Tim. All right. I feel like you guys are putting things in perspective. I thought it was bad at the time. No, it's fine. It's you gotta, you know, it's, we're just we're just here to remind you that your life's pretty good. So like so like after that, you know, was there any complaints for your private jet flights that you had? <laughs> well, actually there was something kind of funny. Oh. So I flew in. Really Indiana. don't want to hear it. No, so. I flew into Indiana to drive to the SRX race in Ohio, and I, I hit a buddy of mine up. I was like, "Hey, it's a three and a half hour drive. You know, if if you can come in, will you, you know, you mind driving? And then I'm gonna fly back with Marco." He was like, "Yeah, no problem." Turns out there are two Hartford, Ohio's. One's a three and a half hour drive. The Hartford, Ohio, that has the racetrack named for a different town is five and a half hour drive. Oh, <laughs> which we did not realize that we had both looked at the wrong Hartford until right before we left. So, oh, at least you realized before you left and not like once you got to Hartford A, you were like, what the hell? Where's the racetrack? Oh, 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 it's two hours this way. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I felt bad. That's unfortunate. My buddy ended up driving 11 hours that day. Good for him. Good for him. He probably should have stayed in Hartford. I was like, I'll get you a hotel. And he's like, nah, I'm just going to get home. Gross. He just drove you there and then turned around. He drove. No, then we hung out and we watched the race. And then at the end of the race, so like 10.30 p.m., he drove home. Yeah, Gross. Uh, While we're talking about the race, let's give the big shout out to M.A., Marco Andretti, taking the 2022 SRX Championship, broken wrist and all. He's actually, I'm, he's in he's surgery. In right surgery, now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm alone at his house. Uh, but can you imagine anything worse? You get out of wrist surgery, you come home, and then I'm just sitting here? No, I could, oh, I could think of something worse. <laughs> right before going into surgery, sitting in someone's house, drinking their booze, smoking their cigars, saying, you know what's so great? Having full wrist motion <laughs> in every possible direction. I'm just so happy that I have that. Well, the guy whose booze you're drinking <laughs> and couch you're sitting on sits there with a cast on his arm 24 hours away from going into surgery. I'm a good friend. <laughs> and James, it is great. Look at him go. No, no I'm, I'm with you. I was <laughs> doing the same thing, actually, while you were doing it. Just not in front of him. Uh, so, yes, uh, Marco, hope you're doing well and and getting better. And congratulations on a great run, man, in, uh, in SRX this year. Um, okay, while we're talking about great runs and racing and stuff we should probably touch on iowa um alex how was your iowa oh sorry let me let's do it let's do it the good old-fashioned way so you can just say what you're going to say and we can move on to the rest of iowa alex do you want to talk about your iowa weekend i i i i uh, i'm just confused man 
Okay. Like, <laughs> All okay. right. We didn't get a shirt out. We didn't get we shirt out. Yeah. Out. <laughs> I was teeing him up in case he wanted just that easy out. <laughs> like it, it was without a doubt, without question, the least uncompetitive event I have had in seven, six years, seven, least, whatever. Least, it is, co- least competitive at NJD Autosport. Most uncompetitive or Most least competitive by by like a factor of ten, yeah. Like it wasn't even remotely close to like I felt like I was in a different category. Um, and like no no at all disrespect to other drivers or teams or whatever, but the, w- when you're literally getting driven around by everyone it, well, in, in all phases of the race, it's just it's it's pretty it's a pretty tough. Did you not? Okay, so race one was a Park Ferme race, which yes. means you race the same setup. You qualify. You qualify the car. Yep. The car basically gets impounded. Mm-hmm. You can change very little, uh, yes. like front, front wing, wing and tire pressure. Tire pressures. Seems and like, like a really cooling. surefire way to make both qualifying and the race worse. Yeah, basically. But yeah, that pretty is, pretty pretty dumb idea. Right. Yeah. Uh, but could can sometimes make it more exciting for the people watching at home because it's harder. I don't know. Um, but no. so you, from what I understand, for race one, you guys actually found a problem on the car after qualifying, but because of Park for May rules, you couldn't touch it or fix it. Is that true? Right. So, so we did have a problem um, that had kind of been been plaguing us. It was a build issue on on a component. Um, and we couldn't we couldn't address it. But what's fascinating is like we were actually well, we were better in race one than race two. Not by a a, a large amount. I th- I think the big thing that hurt us in race one or in race two was we kind of got the Iowa yellow flag pisser um, where we pitted like three yeah. laps before the yellow came out, and that yeah. ultimately put us an extra two laps down to to the field. So that that's really what ended our day and made us finish 18th. I probably had that not happened. We would have finished 15th or 14th, which is kind of similar to how we finished on race one, which was 13th. Um, but like, that's not, that's not a, a, a result. Like that's not anything right. that, that anyone's happy about. And quite honestly, like I, I think I, I have to tip my hat to, to Roma because he did a very good job considering yeah. the equipment yeah. that, that we had. Um, you know, Colton was, was very uncompetitive for me. The, the big thing that was like, yeah, we're, we're clearly missing something pretty, pretty significant was like Simon, you know, Simon was, I was having struggles and I was able to drive around Simon. Um, Elio was kind of the same thing. And, and obviously MSR isn't Andretti Autosport, but it is. And, you know, this is a guy that's had a huge amount of success. Like the last time we were there, he started last and won. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it was just a very painful weekend because we go into race two. And, like, my engineer after the race was like, man, I'm so sorry. Like, I, And I was like, don't apologize. Like, everything that we did from race one to race two, addressing a, a, a fundamental issue that we had, correcting some other things that were actually ended up being wrong we did everything that was logical and actually fixing existing problems overnight. And it was, it was really no different. So like we actually like the pace and and performance and balance of a broken car was the same as the pace performance and balance of a non-broken car. So that just goes to show that 
that what we were kind of dealing with. Yeah, um, it was just uh, off. James, is this kind of? I know you you used to always talk about how sometimes you you can make changes, but in a lot of ways you're you're stuck with the car you get. You're stuck with the car that comes off the truck at the start of the right. weekend. Is this? Yeah, it's 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 kind of similar, right? Level? I mean, the yeah. yeah, the general philosophy obviously of of the AA cars was not was not super awesome for the track and track conditions at the time. Um, you know, I think, I think it's pretty clear that team Penske was on kind of their own level. Uh, yes. McLaren was pretty close, but I, Ganassi I mean, wasn't far off. We have, and to, then everyone else was like, we have to say that. Yes, that is true. But also Joseph is, no, no. So so exceptional. Right, right. So Joseph's next level, but like even in race two when Joseph was out, two other Penske's ended up on the podium. I get it. So as a, it. as a group, you, right. it'd be hard to argue that they were not the strongest. No, for sure they were the strongest, but I, I more just want to give a shout out to how Joseph still can differentiate himself. Yeah, and that's just it, right? I mean, your teammates are an Indy 500 champion and an IndyCar champion, and then a several-time supercar champion uh and indy car kind of phenom two-time race winner only in his second season and yeah i mean he, he was driving circles around everyone what was so interesting in those races was that you know will obviously was on pole for both races so let's shout out to will for this fact that he's now one pole away i think from tying the all-time record which is pretty insane uh mario andretti's got the record i believe it's 67 uh, pole positions. Wait, I might be making that up. That oh, would be 63. Yeah. Sorry. That's Mario's win number. No, it's 60. Something, I don't know. It's sorry. It's AJ's win number. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's, he's one away. I think from tying the record. Cause he got no, two. No, you're poles. right. It is 67. It is 67. Okay. 66. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, an unbelievable job to out qualify Joseph Newgarden in the same car at Iowa. A in both races, the format was, Two lap qualifying, first lap sets race one, second lap sets race two. <clears throat> he got it done both both runs uh, or both laps, sorry. And then when they were all kind of running around at the front, whether Will was leading, which he was at the fr- at the beginning of race one, especially, or then when Joseph got ahead, whenever it was a restart or clean air, they were pretty close. It's not like Joseph was driving away from the field on pure pace, one lap clean air like that. The differentiator is when you hit traffic. Joseph's ability to position the car wherever he wants, to read the traffic, to not get held up, and he just would go from a half-second gap when they're running around in clean air to a two-second gap once they hit traffic in two laps, which became a six-second gap in 10 laps. It's amazing on a track that short where momentum is everything, how quickly, you know, it's a seven, well, in race trim, let's call it a 20 20 to 21-second lap, right? It is amazing how fast you can lose five or six seconds to the car that you're racing through traffic. I mean, like a third of the lap can just disappear sometimes, like in no time. It's it's wild. And that's where Joseph really excelled was his ability to just cut through traffic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but also what's what's just fascinating is like the dominance that existed from, as you mentioned, Penske and, and McLaren. Um they were they were lapping up to fifth. Yeah, race two. At one point in race two, there was four cars on the lead lap. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. We were is, 
in the booth, just like floored. Like we don't even know what to talk about. Like this is an insane development because we were green for the first like 115 laps or yeah. something like that before yeah. the first yellow. And yeah, they they legitimately lapped up to and including fifth place. And it's just a wild. They were only five seconds behind fourth. Like they were still coming, and it was it was just wild to watch. Uh, so yeah, those top three definitely were the class of the field. Um, you know, so Joseph took the win on Saturday over, uh, Will, no, over Pato and Will. <clears throat> McLaughlin was right up there on track for potentially fighting for a podium, had a, a wheel nut come off, nearly lost a wheel on track. Luckily he didn't. That was a nice, nice save there. Um, and then Sunday, Man, we saw something we very rarely see in the IndyCar series, which was just a straight-up component failure that caused a wreck on an oval. Uh, and, and you know, it was to the leader of the race. He had absolutely dominated by that stage of the day. He led 120 or something laps. And, uh, and Joseph went out, which opened the door for... <laughs> Obviously, uh, Pato to take the win, Will second, and then Scott recovering McLaughlin uh, to third. Dixon doing Dixon things up there in the top five and is now like tied for fourth in the championship, only 34 points out with a handful. Like, this is exactly what Scott Dixon does late in a championship, really mounting a really mounted charge. But top five in the championship are covered by like less than a race win, which is insane. I think it's top six, actually. I think might top be top six. six. Yeah, 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 top six so within like. 43 or something. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, which is uh, crazy. Like, it, here's the thing. Because we have five I, races I think, left, right? I do, uh, one, two, three. Yes, five races left. Right. IndyCar is lucky, ultimately, that Scott Dixon got a speeding penalty at the Indy 500. Because he would be, I was having this conversation today with someone. Like 70 points ahead. Right. Like he would have won the 500 points. and he would have had, yeah, rather than a double 21st place finish, he would have had a double first place finish. And yes, he would be leading comfortably, which you got to know he thinks about. And that's what's motivating <laughs> him every morning he wakes up. But what's also fascinating is Joseph has won four IndyCar races and is fourth in the championship. It's in, like, he would like, have taken the championship lead just if he had won fifth. That would have been five of 12. He would have won almost half the races of the season, and he was only barely going to be in the lead. It just shows that his season has been feast or famine. Yeah, I guess. Like, I, 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 I guess. I mean, clearly it has been. Where did he end up in the, in the 500? Because he didn't crash. No, I think he was like in the mid-teens. He had a bad right, St. Pete. Uh, you know, he was running up front at mid Ohio, had a pit stop problem. Uh, you know, he stopped too far away from the wall to get the hose in. So he fell to like 10th or 11th or something there. So it's just, they just add up. Like, you know what it's like, man, you got to be finishing. The champion is the guy that pulls home those fourth, fifth and sixth place finishes on days when he's not winning. No, I, I, I a hundred percent understand, but like, yeah, I know it's crazy. It still doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. Yeah. Polo has not won a race or been on pole and is right. ahead of Joseph. Yeah. But, but no, he's, he's just behind him, but yeah, he's still him. with, yeah. 
they're still in the same they're still in the same tax bracket, which is crazy. Uh, obviously, you know, fun to the talk about news. all these other racing drivers that are in contention. <laughs> it's really enjoyable for me. I, I, Don't worry, give it time. Give it time. It looks really nice. Uh, uh, obviously, after the race, the big talk was um, Joseph Newgarden's health. We're obviously thinking about him right now. He. Uh, I I mean, I don't want to say anything out of turn here. What's known for a fact is obviously he had a crash at the wall, was released by medical shortly after he was in the bus lot and um, I either fainted or whatever, passed out, something happened. He ended up hitting his head on the concrete, was taken to hospital uh, for observation. And basically, yeah, the, he's on sort of pr- concussion protocol right now. So they have Santino Ferrucci on deck. Uh, he's standing by to see what happens. Um, I've been there. I've I've had a couple of concussions in in my time in this sport. The worst one that that I certainly have experienced uh, that I was in a condition to drive again soon was at the NEGP in 2014. Piece of debris struck me in the head, knocked out cold, and I was back in the car by Friday the next week. So cautiously optimistic that Joseph's going to be fine. We know he's strong and fit and a fighter and we're thinking of him and wishing him a speedy recovery so that he can uh, get back in the number two machine for the Indy race this weekend, which is going to be an interesting one. Alex, how do you feel about coming back to the GP? Is it? Why, why do you think it's going to be interesting? Well, the weekend's going to be interesting because it's the triple header with ah, Xfinity, yes. IndyCar and cup. Yes. which I think is fun. I, I'm glad that we finally did that. It took COVID to make that finally happen, but I still think it's a cool thing to have all the series together. I thought you were just excited about me being there. I, oh, sorry. Are you coming? I am. Gross. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But why? Why am I coming? Yeah. Big NASCAR guy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes, I, I, I'm looking forward to going back there. We had a... We had a a good test. I do love the triple header event. 
um, I think it's great to introduce fans to different series that they might not see. Having said that, um, Penske car was on pole when we were there in May. Um, I think well, the only reason a Penske car didn't win was because it was wet and chaos and crazy. And obviously Colton just did a better job than everyone else. Yeah. Um, it's going to be super dry on Saturday. So I don't think yep. there's a, there's a repeat of that. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an, a weekend where we're going to just try and. Where did you qualify there in job. May? Were oh, you in the fast uh, six? Oh, no. Cool. Oh. I was 16. Colin was 12th, I think. 14th. 14th? Oh, yeah, 14th. That's right. Um, Colin's last two wins have come from 14th position. Yeah. That's pretty grid. cool. That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we weren't awesome there, but we did have a good test. So, that's giving me a little bit of hope. You had a good test since the race? We did. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, should be kind of fun. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I still, I, I, I still don't understand why we raced there twice. I understood why it was a necessity during COVID. I guess it's cool to do it because it's this combined weekend. Yeah. Um, and I guess you also need something to start the month of May off, in theory. Yeah. I would just wish we've talked about this before. I just so desperately wish we could do a different layout. Or what? what? Like an Indianapolis street course would be awesome. That is also true. It seems like it seems like a wasted investment for a city that already has a facility to hold a race. Like if you want to replace one of the GPs with a street course, I'm okay with that. that. I'm not sure of doing that in a city that already has a track. Hmm. Like as far as permanent facilities go, there are a few cities that have one as close to like downtown as okay. Indianapolis. Fair it's point. one of the best Fair setups point. for that. But that's I do a, see what you're saying. That's a very good point, James. Plus, right. there is no chance that we could fix the potholes in this city. Oh, my God. You know what? That actually might... You know what? I changed my vote. I desperately want a street course in Indianapolis because it would force the city <laughs> to fix the potholes downtown. And that would be... you would like it to start at your house and yes, then go down to the I would Speedway, like, go yes. by Pit Fit, go by... <laughs> I would love if 86th Street just end-to-end <laughs> just got totally redone. That'd be great. Then we can get on 465, 65 down into the city, take care of some around Meridian. It's not great. Anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh 100% for sure. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, what, what else? The, thought, uh, yeah, yeah. What else was yeah. on the list? What else was on the list? Uh, yes and uh, no. Whatever, whatever. Uh yes and no. Uh yeah. Anyway, funny story. Does this ever happen? Okay, so that's yeah. Iowa. Congrats, Joseph. Congrats to Pato. Joseph, please feel better. We wish you all the best. We'll see you soon in a car. That's the plan. Uh, this weekend's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Um, oh, sidebar. The Zibs are playing on Thursday night in Indianapolis at a place called... Do you know what it's called? Melody Inn. Melody Inn in Indianapolis. And if any of our listeners may or may not be available or under 18, which I guarantee none of them are, um, you can't go. So you have to be over. I feel like we definitely have 21. 21. If any of our listeners are under 21, you can't go. It is a bar. The Sibs is Colin Hurd's band. They're in town. They're going to play, which is pretty cool. Uh, If you can't make it, don't worry. We're going to have a camera there for NBC and we will be showing something during the broadcast. Either way, very cool. Colton going to be drumming away. 
Um, oh, that's devastating. That's right by where my my family's place is, and I'm not going to be there. Hmm. Well, you should be there. So, talk to me. Where are you going to be? My ride. Oh, right. We're not coming until Friday. Uh, so, I had something funny happen the other day, and I wonder if this has ever happened to you, Alejandro. Let me actually. You've got a dog too, Tim. I guess this applies to you. So, I was walking the dogs. Let me, let me actually. Let's just pull the audience here. Which reminds me of another funny story, but unrelated. So, about pulling the audience. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a who wants to be a millionaire thing. That's just fascinating. That if we have time, we'll come back to. So, what's your guy's stance on picking up dog poop when you're walking your dogs? I feel like um, you got to You got to do it. I so I will 100% do it unless it's in. Like if it's between homes and it's in that ground cover, you know, that ground cover, it's not grass, it's not weeds, but it's just like little Where basically like the easement like, is or whatever, like four leaf clover esque ground cover. Okay. Okay. And just like, cause it's kind of naturally buried anyway. Yeah. Cause you can't see it. Like right. it's, it's already, and it's very hard to like get yeah. under it and pick it up. So I won't do that, but I will 100% pick it up everywhere else. Right. Okay, so the worst is when you don't have a bag and you thought you did. Does that ever yes. happen to you guys? Well, then you just yeah. leave it. Right. Like, what do you <laughs> but yeah, I mean that doesn't happen a lot. I'm very diligent about it because I think it's important, and I and I absolutely loathe people that don't do it. And when I find you know mines on my grass, it just drives me crazy. So I was walking the dogs the other day, and I am a. I'm a conservationalist at heart. I try to limit my one-use plastics. And so when I walk the dogs, I will use one bag for both dogs. A conservationalist at heart, meaning well, like I mean, you like not the in, idea, but you don't, yeah, not actively in practice. Do, like, you don't actively do anything to conserve. I mean, look, I recycle, which in the state of Indiana apparently is a big deal it's insane coming from canada it's insane how far behind this country is on recycling but that's a completely different when i moved here and i was like where's the recycling bin and they were like oh you got to pay for that i was like excuse me oh yeah that's right you're from california you also understand my plight correct so yeah i was floored by that but i pay my money to raise so so that way i can at least try and do that part anyway that's with, where it ends for me, though. Notwithstanding the fact that I spent <laughs> 20 years of my life recreationally burning fossil fuels. And that's not the point. <laughs> Climate change is real, and I'm all supporting saving the environment, et cetera, et cetera. But. But. Wait, so you, re- you use the bag twice? Right. So, like, if one of them poops, I'll pick it up, and I'll tie it up. And if the other one poops, I just untie it, and you just reverse the bag, and you go grab the poop. I would never do that. Right. So I'm just trying to say the number of bags that I'm using. They're like, I buy like biodegradable bags anyway. So it's even a step too far, but I do, uh, I do that. It reduces how many I have to buy, whatever. Maybe I'm just being cheap. I don't know. It doesn't matter. This is what I do. So I would never, I don't think I, cause sometimes Teddy will do a thing where he poops, I'll bag it and then I'll poop again right after. And I will, I will use another bag. Yeah, no, I would just reuse the same bag. So I'm, I'm, I'm walking the dogs and I, I, there was only one bag left on the roll, which was fine. Cause for me, that's a, an appropriate number of bags to walk the dogs. So I think Lucy poops and I go to get it and there's a little hole in it. I'm like, Oh, 
that's a tough break. Uh, last bag. <laughs> but I was like, I think I can still get it. It's on like kind of the side. So I think I can still do this without getting anything on my hand. So I did. And I picked up the food because I'm that, I'm that committed to picking up after my dog. Good. Did you, you get, keep walking. You get dog poop all over your fingers? Nope, not at all. Totally clean. So I wrapped it up and like normally Weller, he poops first. He's like a very eager pooper. And we were fairly deep into the walk at this point when we, when Lucy went. And I was very like, okay. Unlike your wife. Right, right, right. So Weller's hey, like we me. We all know that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welly's like me. Wake up and go. Lucy's like Becky needs to walk it out. You know, like needs to really be in the right mood. The earth needs to be in the right orientation yeah, to the moon. To line up, yep. Right. Mercury can't be in retrograde or whatever. So, so I was like, so I'm probably in the clear because Weller hasn't gone at this point. Lucy had. Anyway, we w- keep walking. We get like three quarters away through the walk and then Weller posts up. And I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And so I was like, well, maybe this is the one time. Maybe this is finally the one time I'm just going to have to leave a poop on my neighbor's yard. And I really wasn't happy about it. But I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. This bag's got a hole in it. It already has poo in it. I don't know what I don't know what else there is to do. Luckily, it's not like the person that owns the house is standing in the front. Ah, oh, <laughs> so I'm just like, I can't be that guy. I can't be that guy. I think I would rather get dog poo on my hands than be that guy to my neighbors. I get that. So I undid I the bag and, and I, but here's the thing. I did it, man. I, I craftily held the poo like half on the side of the bag, got it open, got the new poo done, totally clean, nothing on me. I had to like hold the bag out here because there was a hole in it. And if it was brushing up against me as I walked, I would have had poo on my shorts. But I was very proud that I picked up both of my dog's poo with one bag that had a hole in it. I'll take it on an award. I'll take it. You guys aren't on the same page. Okay. No, No. I was just thinking for every bag you save, I want to go over. I want to tell a story about a bag. I wasted the other day. (laughs) Teddy Teddy squatted to poop and then didn't go. It was just a phantom squat, but there were listeners are so, so lucky. (laughs) You guys wanted this. They they specifically asked us to keep going, but uh, no, there were a lot of people out who saw that Teddy had squatted and everything. So I took a bag and picked up the poop that wasn't there and like just <laughs> <That's> <laughs> terrible. tied off the empty bag. It's <laughs> so wasteful. And you're from California. Well, I didn't That's want horrific. them to think that I was leaving the poop there. Cause I can't like, then I don't want to be the crazy person. Like he didn't do it. It was, he did. He, I don't look like he did, but he didn't do it. <laughs> just be the crazy person next time. Well, I'm so glad I got to learn all about Lucy and Weller's, um, schedules yes yeah um it was good to also do you want to do you want to break into brunner and diane's programs or no? yeah okay all right so i wanted you to have the option when did you I'm know good. you were allowed i'm good okay. um so yet again another very exciting and thrilling episode of off track and again uh, they asked us to keep doing this yeah this is your guys fault yeah let's um let's spend at least a solid 20 minutes next week on brunner's poops okay the dog or the group of people after brunner uh 30 minutes make it both (laughs) (laughs) well guys thanks for 
tuning in again. You asked for it. This is your fault. I don't know why you're still here if you're still here. <laughs> yeah, if you're still here, it's alarming. We're going to get all these tweets not being like, you know what? I changed my vote. Let's uh, <laughs> please stop. You know, Let's if you want it. to tell us about uh, your dog's poop habits, at only Alex. Don't add <laughs> off track. <laughs> don't do it to Hinge or I. Just, just let Alex know. At Alexander Rossi. Let him know your dog's uh, poop habits. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, good, good luck go. this weekend in Indianapolis. Whatever. Tune in on NBC yeah. to watch the extravaganza of Xfinity cars, Indy cars, and Cup cars all at the same time on the road course. I mean, blah, not blah, at the blah. same time. But. No, you're right. Sorry. I mean, that would be a race. Wow. You think Gibbs yeah. is exciting with multi-class <laughs> racing? My word. Should we consider that? We should maybe pitch that one because that... That'd be a ratings bonanza. Maybe not for like points, but like an exhibition. Yeah, I like that. I like that. But but the thing is, well, I guess in 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 IMSA racing, the GT cars aren't better than the prototypes anywhere. I was just thinking, does the Cup car need to be better than us somewhere so it's not crazy? But no, like a GT car is not better in any corner. Yeah, it's more GTI just car. how you get in and out of people. Yeah. And yeah, huh. I would also like to have the jumpy trucks going at the same time. I know that's not what they're called, but I, I don't know what they're actually called anymore because I, I think jumpy trucks. Of just calling them jumpy trucks. Everybody knows what you're talking about, so it's yeah. fine. Good deal. All right, guys. Uh, that, was, that was a blast. We'll see you next week. Maybe. That was so fun. <laughs>